Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Sykes. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. My guest on this episode is Mike Sackmary. And as you'll hear, he has a great sense of humor. He calls himself a recovering rocket engineer. So it makes sense we're talking about building rockets. Turns out you can incorporate what he learned when doing that into your everyday life. Want to motivate people better? He's got some ideas for you. And hear how he smartly and intentionally created the corporate culture at his company. I always ask my guests for their bio and tell them they'll get extra points for making it fun. After almost 60 episodes, I think I've found a winner. Mike shared that at an early age, he learned his brain loves to inhabit regions which are unseen by normal people. As a youngster, some of his rockets went up, some went sideways. His friends became nimble at getting out of the way. Fast forward to post-college, he worked on the space shuttle and many types of rockets and satellites. In the rest of life, he kind of, sort of learned how to talk to female humans and claims he's still working on this skill. He married a fellow nerd and says she's awesome. He started an investment fund with $10,000, got to $2 million, and then decided to start looking for clients. The rest is history, except for the parts that haven't happened yet, which are actually future history. Mike says the question he is most frequently asked is, what is wrong with you? And this is sometimes followed by, Barb married you? It seems that being good at investing and being good at rockets doesn't necessarily translate to being able to think like everyone else. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to move away from living in a state of constant anxiousness and instead find peace of mind no matter what's going on around you, get on a complimentary call with me. In less than 30 minutes, you'll get insight on any issue you'd like to bring to the table. And you'll leave the conversation with clarity and renewed energy. Find the booking link in the show notes or text me at 571-317-1463. Welcome to Find Is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Mike Sackmary. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Lori. It's really fun to be here. We're going to jump right into the fun and start with the question of what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you who you did as a young adult? I had the tremendous blessing and good fortune to be raised by two parents who taught me that you want to always look at people for who they are, not what they look like. Um, as my dad used to describe, it's like, you can trust people and, and you'd be nice to everybody till they give you a reason not to be. And my mom was even more, um, and they're both 
very scientific minded people. Mom's in, in uh, medicine and dad's in engineering. Uh, but mom was always like, listen, mister, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time and don't let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also learned, um, my parents had me in scouts for a long time. So it was a lot of service projects, right? The idea of helping other people for free, no expectation of return. So that was ingrained real early in my life. Mm. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Okay. I mean, and, some kids are like forced to go and they don't necessarily oh, sure. like it. Sure. Okay. Uh, especially male children. Often I, we raised two sons. Um, oftentimes the male children, you have to force them to do something they don't want to do because it's new. So they're a little bit scared, but once mm -hmm. they get into it, they really like it. Yeah. Well, I, that's a great lesson straight off the top for anybody, regardless of your age. Right. It often feels like, well, I'm scared to do this because I don't know. It's unfamiliar. I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be accepted. And then you go and do it and you're like, oh, what was I afraid of? I think it's a super important trait for any leader. And I say this uh, throughout my career, I've had positions where I was having to lead my management from the bottom. <laughs> and I've had other positions where I'm in the top of the chain. It's super important that all the people in your organization are, know that if they try something and the outcome isn't what we wanted to get, that's okay. The important thing is what did we learn from it and how are we going to change what we did? Right? Is that something that you learned from your parents or from scouts or is that something that you learned along the way as you were going through your career? I learned it really starting my first jobs in high school, working the traditional fast food and shoveling rock landscaping and all, you know, all the great things we get to do as teenagers. Right. <laughs> And I learned it by the negative example. I saw lots of very poor managers screaming at people and embarrassing people in public. I was like, I don't want to be that way. I'm going to be the other way. Mm -hmm. If something didn't come out the way we want, what do we need to do different? But right. I always, I just sort of naturally fell into that thinking, which later developed at the professional level of, okay, whoever you are, male, female, whatever, you know, whatever your experience level, whatever your age, if you want to try doing project X, let's do it. Let's set you up for success. And as your sponsor, mentor, whatever, if there's any heat coming from above, I need to be the one to take that. I need to be the shield. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. that's how I'm going to get you to try things next time. And that's how you get innovation happening in, yes. your, in your company or in your organization. Yes. Yeah. It's it's amazing to me sometimes when I hear people making, I mean, talking about big senior people you've seen in the news making comments. I'm like, that's a great way to kill innovation in your company when you just said in public. Mm. Right, right. So you went through scouts. You what what? How did you start your career? I, from a very early age, fell in love with space. I think it was because I was raised on the original, the real Star Trek, as I call it. Just mm -hmm. pulling a few chains out there. <laughs> but I, I just, I love that. What did you see in the Star Trek series, right? You saw Captain Kirk, who was kind of the John Wayne, Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, forge ahead, go to the frontier kind of a leader. You saw Mr. Spock, who was the analytical part. And you saw McCoy, who was 100% emotion. And between the three of them, I'm not really realizing this as a young child, but between the three of them, what you're watching in that show is one complete brain when the three of them are working together. 
<laughs> so hmm. it was like, yeah, I never thought about that before. You know, they, they had the Russian navigator and they had the, the lady uh, communications officer. So you, you saw this principle that I was raised with. It's like, who cares? It's like, what's important is diversity of thought and diversity of opinion, but still with a, a command structure, right? Everybody has their input, but then you just, you trust what your lead, top leader tells you to do. The top leader's smart enough to listen to people. All that ended up being was, how do I create something? Because I was working in the rocket business and thought everything was fine, and uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Yes. Yeah, so, well, since the show is called Fine is a Four-Letter Word, we're going to get to that. So if we, we might as well start right now. Tell me about that. I love the work. I love creating things that didn't exist. I love thinking about three-dimensional mathematics. I love, you know, astro navigation. These things are so like my head's going to explode here because I'm just, like trying to wrap my head around it. It's so different from where my natural tendencies are. I'm fascinated. Well, I, I tell people it's easy to think about it like a pool table, right? Because everybody can envision all the round balls going different directions. Now, make that three-dimensional where they can float above each other and below okay. each other. So those would represent your planets and meteors and things you don't want to run into. And so the, the navigation trick then is how do you get around all that stuff? Got it. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's a good, easy way to visualize what's going on. So, I, And what I didn't like, what wasn't fine is, you know, I'm working in this industry and the salary I started out with out of college was pretty good. So I started at Marshall Space Center in Alabama, which is not an expensive place to live. But eventually they moved me out to San Diego, California, which was crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I'd been in the business maybe 10, 12 years at that point. And they're like, I can't afford a place to live by myself and have any money left to go out on dates or do anything. By the time I pay my rent and my California taxes and my gas, we get back and forth to work because, you know, in California, nobody walks anywhere. <laughs> no. I mean, Public there's no place to walk. Transportation is not really a thing. Yeah. No. And I was like, and, and I would go down to the beach on weekends and I would talk to people. I talk to everybody everywhere I go. It's just me. But I would talk to these beach bums who are all muscled out and they're not, they don't have jobs. The state is paying them. Um, I forget what it was. It was some special class of bum. I call them bums. <laughs> class of bum okay yeah but they were real straightforward i mean these guys and girls were very straightforward about it. it's like no the state pays us to stay down here and essentially do nothing and we have these free sets of weights they gave us so we could stay healthy so we work out and enjoy the beach all day and get paid for it wow and i'm like i where can't do... even afford a place to live by myself right you're like where do i, I sign have up have for roommates. that right and i found out you really can't you need it was some you needed all this special criteria you had to meet i tried though because like any good engineer, I'm like, how do I get this? Mm -hmm. um, I was like, this is upside down. This is not fine. Um, and then there's a, about a 10 year overlap between aerospace and what I do now. So I kept working while I was proving out the concept of my new company I wanted to do. So I knew some things. I knew I wanted to have a company where people are treated right. Because mm -hmm. that's... It's not natural to us as humans to treat other people with love and respect and humility. This it's, is something you, we work at. Do you think at. it's not? I, I think it is. And I think I that think we learn. it should be. I, I think as humans, we are born with those abilities innately. Yes. Yes. And we then have the ability. somehow in the growing up process, 
they're they're trained out of us or or yes i don't want to say trained out of us they are um perhaps they're beaten out of us by bad management (laughs) (laughs) well that's exactly that level but i mean as you go through school there i will say they may be socialized out of us yes that's a great way to say it i'm going to steal that phrase because it's a much better way to say it so by the time we're working in a professional career it's not it's not our go-to to go back to being that way because mm-hmm. you just said it's been socialized out of us. And I thought, I don't want that kind of company. I don't like working for those kinds of managers. And just to, for any listeners that may be in a professional career, one of the great tools that you always have, go find a manager you do like, even if they're not in your chain of command and spend time with them. That's great advice. Yeah, because you can might learn so much. Someday. And yeah, exactly. And the other thing is that I think a lot of people, especially in corporate, don't necessarily think of is that um, is networking in right. intercompany networking. So I wanted to have an environment and, you know, I started like the traditional thing. It's like I was looking for a place that was already like this instead of building one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want an environment where people of whatever appearance, whatever they are, people felt, they all felt safe about saying, I want to do this. I want to try this. Let's do this. And I wanted, I wanted to be in an environment where people would socialize with each other outside work, as a group. Yeah. Not not the traditional, you know, team building exercise that nobody wants to go to. <laughs> right. Right. So, how, so you consciously the, uh, created this company. Right. And how so did I, you I, how did you choose or how did you invite people or how did you attract the right people? Because not everybody is going to do well in that situation. Some people prefer a strong hierarchy. I started spending time in places where I normally didn't spend time. So I took some sales training courses. I took some how to talk to humans that aren't engineers courses. (laughs) I I put myself in these different environments. Started going to Toastmasters. I love Toastmasters. Yeah, you've already said a couple of things that reminded me of a past guest, Stephen English. And so oh, yeah. for people who are, I know him, you know, Stephen. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, because you have Call- similar experiences in corporate for one thing, and he's big on Toastmasters as well. So, yeah. So shout out to Stephen. We have to tell him he's in this show that we mentioned him. Yes. So then I'm looking around and then I started asking people like, what, what is your primary motivator in life? Mm-hmm. And there's different ways to ask that question, depending on a person's communication style. Right, because just walking up to somebody and saying, "Hey, what's your personal motivator?" Yeah, people are like going to look salesman. at you funny. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah, what right. you're talking about. What What is that? So I started listening, and I went to a lot of because the business I was building is focused on investing and having the investing fund. I started going to a lot of presentations that startups were doing. And, you know why should why you should buy our stock, right? Mm-hmm. And just watching the room, I started reading the room. And sometimes I'd be up in, usually sitting in the front row so I could turn around and watch the audience. I mean, it seems a little weird at first, but what that gave me was seeing the faces when management's making certain comments, then I could start figuring out who were the people I wanted to go meet later. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's reacting. brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. I stole that idea from John Bates. <laughs> he's, a, he's an executive speaking coach. It's not but necessarily yeah, it's just, stealing. It's called swipe and deploy. There you go. Swipe and deploy. So 
I would just walk up to people, especially because engineering nerd, who do I know? Mm-hmm. Engineering nerds. Who am I around all the time? Engineering nerds. And it turns out there's this whole section of the human species that's female. <laughs> yes. Most of the most of the people I knew were, or most of the women I knew in work were very much like Vulcans, right? It's that it's that very technical analytical mindset, and that's not that common. So. When I was trying to meet other people, I'm like, how do I talk to this other half of the species? <laughs> so okay. I would just I would just walk up to people and say, um, I have no I'm an engineering nerd. I'm a rocket engineer. I have no idea how to talk to people from your realm of business. Never made it about the gender or the uh-huh, anything uh-huh. else. It was like, I don't know how to talk to people from your, your realm. Or from I, your that was probably smart. That probably got you into yeah. more conversations than saying, oh, yeah. I don't know how to talk to women. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, because that's, I think that was obvious anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least see, they could give you point. the benefit of the doubt that you just couldn't right. talk to other people as a whole. Right. And that did a lot for me. Now it's like, okay, I'm starting to learn how other people, I'm, I'm getting live fire practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people are very, very nasty. Males and females would get really nasty and others would be very nice. And yeah, I mean, finally I met this one was like, you have no idea how to talk to girls, do you? <laughs> is this, I mean, that's what she said to me. Is and this, I'm like, is this well, the one who became okay. your wife? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's like, well, guilt, guilty is charged, but hey, how else am I going to learn if I don't do it? Oh, she so, apparently found it endearing. Apparently, or just hopeless, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and that opened up the whole realm. It's like, all right, I know the kind of business I want to build. I know the kind of people I want to get. And now I'm starting to meet people from different areas of industry. And who has the kind of attributes I'm looking for, right? Or as I describe it, who is it that's going to be on my team that if there's gunfire happening is going to come with me towards the sound of the gunfire and not cower somewhere, right? Yeah. Because this is, business is tough. Right. And you need the kind of people that aren't going to, I'm not saying in a bad way, I'm just saying you need the kind of people that aren't going to back down and freak out when things start going wrong. You need the kind of people that are going to have each other's back. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought back to this one time I had obtained permission from my boss, written permission to take my vacation. So I'm gone for a week. I come back. And the first thing I go to the factory is it's like, where the hell were you? Why? And I found out he told he told the plant manager three levels up. He didn't know where I was. But there was probably was like, well, paperwork need... that you had to fill out to say that you were going to be gone. Right. Yeah. Which I did. Of course. And he had he signed it. Yeah. Wow. But I was like, um, yeah, I don't need to work for this clown anymore. <laughs> so but many I didn't lessons. Want that kind of environment, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. sorry. So many, so many lessons that people can learn. You know, we often talk about learning lessons from mentors and role models that we want to model. And we don't talk enough about, or not as frequently, about learning lessons, like you mentioned earlier and just again now of how I don't want to be. There's just as valuable a lesson yes. in in seeing what you don't want. And at the same time, even in not just necessarily in business, but in in figuring out what you want and don't want in your life. Like a lot of times people are like, well, 
you know, they want to figure out what, what are their dreams? What are their values? What are they, where are they going? And they get caught up in, I don't know what I want. And a good place that to start potentially is, well, okay, what don't you want? Start from there if that's where you can start from. Yeah. That's an excellent way to say it. Um, And that's how we approach building rockets. Like, what are the outcomes we've got to make sure don't happen? Mm. Yeah. Then we, from there you proceed. It's like, okay, have I, have I made sure that I've cut off the opportunity for these bad things to happen? Right. Yeah. Often we ignore the, the, I don't want to call it negative, but it, it, for lack of a better word, the negative things, because we're trained to only think positively. And yet those, what I don't want, what are the negative outcomes is a great place to start and then build on. Yeah, and I, I just really wanted to share this example with you because you'd asked, before I went on this long ramble, you'd asked how we put the team together. Mm-hmm. I had a Zoom call and I invited the people that I thought might want to be on the team. So I had everybody there together so you could see each other's faces. Mm-hmm. So anybody that wouldn't turn their camera on was automatically out. Okay. It's like, I want them to see each other's faces to see who's there because I don't know who knows each other. When was was this? What year was this? Oh, gosh. This was four years ago. Okay. So so it was before everybody had Zoom. Right. I just wanted to to figure out the time frame here. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. And then I, you know, it was a pretty short presentation. I promised them 15 minutes. I was done in 15 minutes. So I need to know three things from each of you. Message me privately. Are there people on this call that you know you don't want to work with or, you know, former significant others or, you know, what? I have mm-hmm. no idea. Right. Tell me. Don't blindside me. Um, second, do you already have some money to live on? <laughs> because starting a new business, I don't want you to be under the pressure of like, we got to make money, we got to make money. What we have to do is build the right service for people. What we have to do is make the connections with potential clients. If, you, if you're focused solely on you got to get the money in, it's the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the third thing was, are you willing to have other people's backs even when they're annoying you or making you mad? Can, can you separate an action from a person? Wow. That's so powerful. And the ones that joined the team were the ones that said yes to those three questions. How many people said yes? Uh, we started with seven. And how many people did we, you have on that first call? 30. Wow. Okay. I love the intentionality around all of this, of how you're thinking and how you're building this team. And uh, I, I also told them, if anyone, potential client, current client, anybody, I don't care how big a fish they are. I don't care how much of our income they represent. If they're not treating you right, tell me. Don't internalize it. Mm-hmm. Some of the people are internalizers. It's like, okay, you're going to have a hard time not internalizing, but try <laughs> to let it Stretch, to your, stretch yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We, we had an incident where one of our uh, ladies was being addressed in an inappropriate manner by a client. So I had her on the call with me and we called the client. I'm like, I, now you can apologize profusely because you were warned. 
It wasn't it wasn't something you said one time and it was just, you know, miscommunication because that does happen. Mm-hmm, sure. This this was not a and you can apologize or, or we're done. I didn't say it like that. It's like we're going to exit you as a client. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's another great thing about having your own company is you get to choose not only who you work with on your team like you did, you also get to choose who you work with as clients. And if it's not working out, you get the the freedom to oh yeah release them. I tried doing that in the rocket business too. I mean, you can't do that with clients. There's only like five clients in the entire planet, right? <laughs> but you can do it with suppliers. Mm-hmm. And I would sometimes go to my, whoever was the boss at the time and say, listen, we need to exit the supplier because here's what they're doing. Well, their parts are great. I go to their parts are great, but they're treating my people like crap. And, you know, I, I don't want to put up with that. Yeah. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It depends how high up you are in the company, right? Sure, sure, sure. You're not going to win all of them. Right. So tell me more about the experience that you've, the, the company you've created, the culture. And so of those seven people, it's been four years. Are they all still right. with you? No, we're still at seven. Um, but some of them got went off to do other things, which I think this is a super important principle. And I, it's going to sound like I'm bragging, but it's not how I mean it. I want every business owner to think this way. If someone's ready to fly, help them. Yeah. If you really agree. think they got a good possibility of success, invest cash in their business. Because mm-hmm. it's horrible to take somebody who's skilled, talented, motivated, even if they don't have any idea what they're doing. They may be just inventing a whole new industry, right? But if that, it's terrible to take that kind of motivation and squash it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're not being their full self. Right. So you're not getting the best of them. And the world is not getting the best of them. So it's to everybody's advantage to right. take the approach and the, the viewpoint that you did or that you I, do. I, I just, I'd love to infect the entire business planet with this idea. It's like, help them fly. Yes. Help them fly. Love it. Okay. So what what happened? How, how has it been building your company in this way? You know, do you see an, a higher level of success or is it just, I don't want to say just, is it, you know, are you seeing an increase in revenues, you know, from a business perspective? Is the ROI higher or is the ROI the same, but the joy of working this way is so much higher? The ROI is staying fairly level. The joy for me personally and the joy among the team, it keeps increasing. Mm-hmm. And this magical thing happens. It's one of the things I wondered if it would happen. I'd read about it in various business books, but it's like, yeah, you never know. Did they say that in their business book and not really do it? I have no idea. But this magical thing actually happened where the team would start coming to me. Hey, I identified so-and-so as a potential client. They started going out, finding potential clients on their own. Oh, nice. Because they were so excited about what we're doing. Yes. And then we started the podcast about a year ago just to talk to business people. I mean, we don't sell anything on a podcast. It's just to have conversations, right? They started going out finding guests. 
I was like, good. Yeah. That That's really encouraging. They've taken ownership in the company yes. because it is their company, whether they're, yes. you know, at the top of running it or not, doesn't matter. Right. They still have an ownership in it. That's the best kind of company to build. And they do. For the first year, every check I got from a client was split equally. It's called the pirate ship model. I learned it from watching Captain Jack Sparrow. Really? <laughs> is, yeah. Uh, Tell me more about that because I'm not familiar. How did, how did people on pirate ships get paid? They got paid a number of shares. So whatever the total amount is that we took in on our voyage, the captain would get like two shares. So you take the number of crew and you divide the amount of money by the number of crew. And that's how much each share is worth, right? Okay. So you got 10 people. If you had 10 people and you made $100, a share is worth $10. Okay. So on pirate ships, they used to say the captain would get two shares. Everybody in the crew would get one share. It was divided mm-hmm. according to your job, but there were only like two or three levels, right? I said seven people. <laughs> we're just going to do equal shares for the first year. Okay. See, now everybody's like, hey, Mike put his money where his mouth is. And it was myself and our, our main investor were the ones putting the cash in to make the business go. We didn't ask anybody on the team to, to pitch in money. Okay. And so they're like, okay, I'm donating my time. I'm not getting paid till we actually start having an income. And as soon as they started, as soon as I did that with the first check, which was not big, they were it's like, okay. wow, wow, he really did it. Who does this? Yeah, so now symbolism. I've got a team that's so motivated. Absolutely. Backing up a second, because I'm not sure we mentioned this in, in our conversation yet. What exactly is it your company does? Oh, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, see, this is why my co-founder is so good at explaining what we do. <laughs> I ramble. Yeah, uh, 80% of our income comes from the investing fund. So business owners will contact us and say, hey, I'm busy running my business, manage my personal assets and keep me rich or okay. don't let me run out of money. So that's 80% of what we do. The other 20% is we train business owners on how to get funding. Okay. Um, and we don't want a conflict of interest there. So typically we don't invest in people that we're training Okay. because it would be an inherent conflict of say, we're telling you to do this, this, and this. And here's some cash. It's like, no, we want you to do what's natural for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we train on um, what when you're standing in front of a room full of investors, how do you get them to say yes? How do you read the room? What's your presentation need to look like? What kind of investors do you want? You know, think about who you don't want in your business. Again, it comes back to the intentionality that you used yes. in building your company. Were What were the tools or techniques that you used. I know you said you made yourself go talk to people you didn't, uh, you know, that were different than you, that you didn't identify with. Were there (laughs) other things that you did? Because running a business requires so much faith and trust in whatever you want to call the higher power. You know, what was, were there other tools that you used besides just forcing yourself to go talk to people? Where, do you, yes. Did you journal? Did you meditate? Prayer? What, what, have, what have you implemented there? So 
making this super brief, I'm a biblical Christian. I have investigated the Bible. I speak and read the biblical languages. You know, this was not a emotional spur of the moment decision, right? Mm-hmm. So I adopted things, particularly from the book of Proverbs, has a lot of wisdom on how to talk to people. So I adopted a lot of that. We use prayer, specific tools. I will show up. I'm the kind of guy that will come up to you in a business meeting with a notebook in my hand, an actual notebook, mm-hmm. you know, paper, pencil, not, yep, not got, like got I'm on right my here. phone texting. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And I would take notes. I'd ask people, it's like, okay, well, we're talking because I've never spoken to anyone like you before. Can I take some notes? Because this is going to help me get better at communication. And I would say about 95% of the time, the other person's like, yeah, take notes. It's so unexpected. Yes. Yes. And before I was doing this, before pandemic, I was actually teaching networking strategies for people who were going to in-person events. And I would tell people to do this because how else do you follow up? How do you remember everything? You've had 10 conversations. How do you remember them all? And how do you then follow up with people? So I love that you did this. Well, thank you for that. The best speaker I ever heard in my life was so able to hold the audience's attention. I went up to him later said, okay, yeah, of course, there's a long line of people wanting mm-hmm. to talk to. So I wait until the line's done. I'm the last person because I'm like, I'm the last person. He's tired. Everybody's gone. Perfect timing. It's like, listen, man, I got one question. I want to write down the answer because otherwise I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> he talked to me for an hour. Oh, geez. And it was like, how do you do that? How do you hold an audience's attention? He told me how he did it. Yeah. Wow. Who was the speaker? I'm curious. It's a guy named Robert Welch in San Antonio. Okay. And it's like, uh, I mean, the, the two big takeaways that stuck with me forever, whatever you're speaking on has to be a topic that you really believe in. Mm-hmm. You don't go up there and say anything that you're not willing to, to take a bullet for. Okay. So come on out of your mouth. It better be something that you believe. I mean, you could be wrong, but you believe it's true. Mm-hmm. So no fluff. So the other thing is, when I deliver a speech, I don't look, I, I make eye contact with individuals, but I never think about how big the room is. Mm-hmm. So, because now I'm connecting with people. Right. And everyone feels so as whether, if you're talking straight to them. Yeah. So that's how we did it. I'm like, wow. Okay. Wow. We have covered so much ground today. <laughs> I really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> oh, me too. Thank you so much. Before we go. I got to ask, because you seem like a pretty laid back guy, like nothing ruffles your feathers. I'm getting oh, lots of things. do. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's cool. But what, what do you do when you need, what's the song that you listen to your hype song when you need that extra boost of energy? Maybe you were listening to it before you walked into that room full of people that you were afraid to talk to. What's your song? Uh, Amazing Grace. It's the most incredible song, and there's a ton of versions. My current favorite version is Sarah Brightman singing it, you know, opera style. Okay. Um, All right. I'm not familiar with that one, and if our listeners are not, we are going to put a link to that in the show notes so you can go listen and get inspired. It's it's a beautiful song, and it's a very – it's a calming down song for most people, but for me it's a motivating – get up and go run around the block song. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I can an see energizing that. song. I could see how that would be. Now, if people wanted to continue the conversation with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Fastest is LinkedIn. 
Okay. Because that's where I we actually, connected. Uh, yeah, I I watch my own LinkedIn feed. There's no gatekeeper on LinkedIn. Okay. So that's the quickest way. All right. <clears throat> and I encourage people. You know, contact me. I love meeting new people. If you're a early stage company, meaning you're not quite out of the infant mortality range yet, <laughs> and you want to come on our podcast, we love having guests. Okay. I will make sure we have links to all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you. That's very nice. Thanks so much for joining me today, Mike, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. I <laughs> love the name of that podcast. That's great. <laughs> that was a super fun conversation. Here are the key takeaways. Number one, treat people right. We all have the ability to treat others with love, respect, and humility. And that's the way it should be. But unfortunately, it's usually socialized out of us somewhere along the way. Mike never lost sight of this core tenant. He held on to this lesson from his early upbringing and carried it all the way through the process of building his own company. This is how he knew exactly what kind of environment he wanted to create and what type of people he wanted to surround himself with. Number two, it's normal for new experiences to scare us, but we should take them on anyway. If you're in leadership, you should encourage the people in your organization to tread the same way. Remember that if you tried something and didn't get the outcome you were aiming for, that's okay because you either win or you learn. So if something didn't come out the way you were hoping, what did you learn from it? What could you have done differently? Number three, there's a lot that goes into building rockets. But Mike taught us that they always start with making sure the unwanted outcomes don't happen. Similarly, when trying to figure out what you want in life, an alternative approach is recognizing what you don't want first. We often learn from peers and mentors what we admire, but negative examples can also point us in the right direction by revealing to us the behaviors we want to avoid carrying out ourselves. Number four, if you're looking to motivate people on your team, listen to their suggestions, give them ownership, and show them trust. Feeling their effort not only matters, but has an important impact, inspires them to go the extra mile, leading them to find new opportunities and bring in new ideas that could help drive the mission forward. And number five, if someone's ready to fly, help them. If you think they've got a good possibility of success, invest in them. Don't kill others' motivation. It's to everybody's advantage that people be the best version of themselves and bring that into the world. Encourage others to pursue their goals and set them up for success in any way you can, even if that means you part ways. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.